Thanks for joining us on Make Money Count. Today, we're going to be breaking down a real-life example of Toronto's housing market and showing you the math as to why it makes more sense for you to buy instead of renting. Opportunities like this don't come often or last long, so be sure to stick around to the end of the episode to hear everything we're going to discuss. As always, my name is Justin, and I'm sat here with my good friend, Marcus. So let's jump right into it and make money count. Uh, so tell us, Marcus, what is going on in the rental market right now? And, 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 and where do you see things headed at the moment? We had some fun with this, like going mm-hmm. through examples of condos that exist in the GTA mm-hmm. that can be either purchased or rented and the numbers associated with doing one or the other. Right. So like, first off, there's no doubt, right? Like rental costs have risen across the board in the GTA. Mm-hmm. It goes back to like, everybody needs somewhere to live. Right. So this kind of supply demand flux that's happening right now. So you've got kind of think of it as two separate markets, right? You've got one market of properties being sold and another market of properties being rented. And if the demand for properties to buy reduces, those people who are no longer buying still need somewhere to go. So they're going to rent. So the demand for rent, rental properties, increases. Mm -hmm. And if the supply isn't there to meet the demand, so we keep talking about this, there's a supply shortage. So if the supply isn't there to meet the demand, you got a problem. Right. So we saw, we have seen rental prices increase so dramatically as of late. Mm-hmm. They're still going up. All right, Marcus, let's, let's, let's jump into this. Let's, let's take it out, take it into slide one here. So this is a property available for rent. So there's units in this building that are available for rent. They're three grand a month for one bedroom. It's like, how crazy is that? I mean, it's a nice building, but actually very close to here, our podcast studio. Yes, it is. So you're looking for a rent, a rental. Here's one on the market that you're going to scoop up for 3000 bucks because you're worried about buying. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And there is one that is for sale right now in the building. Let's say you can pick it up for $489,000, which I guess is what it's listed for. It is. This is the listed price on MLS right now. Okay. So $489,000. And $1,200 in property taxes. This is a small unit, you could tell. Um, and the maintenance fees are 300 bucks a month. Okay, so let's do the math. Justin, you want to do the math? Absolutely. So if you were to buy this property with a minimum down payment of 5%, uh, you would be looking at a mortgage of 464000 Pop in an interest rate of 4.8% there. That brings you to a monthly payment of $2,755. Now, obviously, we need to make sure to include property taxes, condo fees, uh, $3,192 a month. So there's a $200 difference here, right? right? Well, it's 192 Yeah, Yeah. All of a sudden, you're the one with the specific <laughs> But what we have to keep in mind is that monthly mortgage payment is principal and interest. Right. What's the amortization on this? 25 years. 25 years, yeah. So you're paying down a lot of principal. So you've got, think of it like this, right? You got this $25,000 investment that you just made. Mm -hmm. um, And you are not renting. You own the property. Mm -hmm. And it's costing you an extra $200 every month. Mm -hmm. But you're probably paying down your mortgage by more than a thousand bucks a month. A thousand bucks, yeah, something like that. So every single month, you are saving 
like you're kind of forced saving eight hundred dollars, mm-hmm. as opposed to forced saving eight hundred dollars for the person that you're renting the property off of. Yeah, yeah. So, so we did the math. Matt did the math. But after five years of owning, you would have paid off approximately fifty five thousand dollars of that mortgage, right? Yeah. Okay. So, and then he writes down it's eleven thousand five hundred dollars in additional payments. So, at the end of the term of this, you have got back almost sixty thousand bucks. You've paid an extra eleven. So accounting for your deposit, your extra payments, you're still like you got your deposit back and you got another twenty thousand bucks. Um this is an example of when it makes more sense to buy something than to rent something. Yeah. So and in five years, you're likely re-entering the market. With a condo that is worth more than what you paid for it. Oh, yeah. And I love the certainty with which you said that. I think oh, I, yeah. I agree. I agree. I'm just, and interest rates are lower. Mm-hmm. So, listen, hindsight's going to be 2020 in this. And there may be a time where instead of buying this thing for 489, you can buy it for 450 or 460. 475. I don't know. Like, there might, this might not, this might drop. And again, you might be able to get this for less than 489. Right now. It's listed for 489. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So but this is a good example of you're a first time home buyer, not a bad time to enter the market. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's also a reason why you're not going to see this cataclysmic demise of so dark of housing prices. Yes. Yeah. Right? Um I think, you know, Especially in the GTA, values are going to hold up relatively well, even over this next six-month period. Especially for these smaller condos, too. Like, entry-level price condos hold up a little better, usually. Shall we get into the rental? Sure. Let's see how the numbers look if you were to purchase that same unit and rented it out. Okay, so 20% down. It's 100000 bucks down. Your mortgage is less than 400 You get a higher interest rate because you got to deal with the rental rate premium. Monthly payment is $2,200. And your maintenance and taxes are $2,700 all in, $2,700. The amount of money uh, that you are actually spending on interest is $1,740 a month. So your all-in payment is twenty seven hundred. So your positive cash flow three hundred. You're also paying down your principal, but you've encumbered a hundred grand. So you've used a hundred thousand bucks, seventy thousand dollars more than before. You're profiting three hundred dollars a month, which is eighteen thousand dollars over five years. Thanks, Matt. And it doesn't include the equity you gained. In addition, you've paid thirty thousand dollars off your mortgage. The hundred thousand dollars that you put into this as an investment. Mm-hmm. At the end of five years, returned you fifty thousand bucks, right. roughly. Yeah, fifty thousand bucks. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not bad, right? Like yeah, that's it's not like terrible. A, it's a that's great sure. yield that rental properties really weren't seeing in Toronto mm-hmm. coming into this. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's going to be a strong argument for people to enter the market here, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and final point. At the end of the five years, this thing is going to be worth more than what you paid for it. Right. I mean, like, I wouldn't have wanted to have done this show, like, three months ago. Yeah, no, no, no. Because I was still really, like, I'm, I still would have had more of a concern that interest rates, it was kind of, like, non, not defined yet about how high rates were going to go. Right. But now I think the kind of general consensus is 
we're pretty close to the peak in where interest rates are. And because we're pretty close to the peak of where interest rates are, we can start kind of projecting how the rest of this will play out. Right? Still one, one kind of unknown variable, which is how many people who have real estate right now will be forced to sell in the spring market. Right. Right. So, I mean, there's kind of two parts to this. One part is we've got a whole bunch of new construction condos that are going to come online. So where they will register and the people that have bought them have to close on them. Right. And that's going to happen in the first half of 2023. That could affect pricing. Right. Because there's, you know, I read somewhere there's like 20,000 units that's going to that are going to come online in the first half of next year. Those 20,000 units come online and if the there's a price disparity between what they're selling for, what they're valued at and what those buyers bought them for in the pre-construction market, mm-hmm. they might not be able to get financing or the amount of financing that they need to close on those. Right. That's a problem. If a percentage of those units gets fed back into the market and those buyers, again, we spoke about it on the last podcast, you got to go bankrupt. Mm-hmm. That's a very bad, very dramatic thing for our economy to have to absorb, right? So these, these, these people who overpaid for these pre-construction condos are going to lose the condo. They're going to lose the deposit. Those units will come into the market. They've got to get absorbed in the market. That could have downward pressure on condo prices. But the demand is still so strong. People still want to live in the city that, that although that is like probably a bit of a negative weight, I don't think we're going to see as dramatic of a further reduction as what we've already seen. Seen, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? So like you, you figure we've, we're already down 10 or 15%. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe we have another 10% to go. Right. But probably not much more. And... Who knows exactly at what point that happens? It happens at some point next year, mm-hmm. and it coincides. I bet it coincides with we're not raising rates anymore. The pivot, right? Well, where we talked about that too, right? It's not really a pivot; it's more of a hold still. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. And then the pivot comes. So it's going to be like rate increase, maybe another rate increase, then it'll be like a freeze, and then it'll be the pivot. And when that happens, I think we'll see more certainty, more people re-entering the market. They know what the rate environment looks like. It gives them a little more confidence to buy something. Right. So like, like buying a stock, right? If you are a long-term investor in something, when, um, when it has dropped 15%, you would buy it. Even though you know there's a risk, it's going to drop a little bit more. Timing the exact moment of the bottom is a very difficult game, just like timing the Exact moment of the top is a difficult game. Right. So what we're going to look at today is based on today's prices, the difference between buying and renting. So if, it's, if it makes sense today, it's probably going to make a little more sense in the future, but you need to live somewhere. Yeah. At the end of the day, you can see we're entering a phase of this kind of, of this economic change where we're going to see price stability because of the economics behind the commodity of housing. Right. Right. We saw rental rates increase so dramatically and they're still increasing month over month. Mm -hmm. 
it's telling you that there's a finite amount of this housing product. It's not like China where they built condos with no end user, right? They built these massive buildings and like China is a massive real estate problem right now, but they built these massive buildings and people were buying them as an investment with, with no, there was nobody that was going to live in the unit. So you've got these cities that have been built with these vacant buildings. It's so weird. The problem they're run, running into right now, more so than that, is that people have mortgages on condos that have not been completed. And they're paying mortgage payments on condos that have not been completed yet. That's it's a real. It's a real problem right now. Um, what Toronto's real estate market has, which is valuable... Is finished condos. Is demand. Right. Right? There's a lot of people that are looking to and the and the condos. I, I knew you were going to say that. I was just trying to be a yeah. No, it's like funny. You, you would have. I'm sure you would have less demand if the condos weren't finished. <laughs> <laughs> but sometimes all you need is four walls. Listen, it's a scary time. Yeah. Okay. Um, real estate prices are. Real estate prices have dropped, but what's scarier is the lack of movement at all in the real estate market. Right. Mm. Like. When when you hear like there's a 50% drop in real estate, it's kind of fear-mongering on the part of the media because it's not a 50% drop in real estate. It's a 50% year-over-year decrease in activity. Right. And I think that the decrease in activity is just buyers sitting on the sidelines because they're afraid to enter a market with so much uncertainty around interest rates. Mm-hmm. The other thing I want to say here is we priced all this with five-year fixed rates. I don't even, I wouldn't take a five-year fixed rate right now. Neither would I. I would take a variable for sure because I think you would see over the course of that five-year period, your interest costs will be lower than what we're reporting here. Mm-hmm. Meaning I think there's even more torque on an investment in real estate, mm-hmm. right? Not a ton, but like a point or two wiggle room in those rates as we Kind of does a lot of good. Yeah. So if you're considering renting versus buying right now, what I would say is like our website has a ton of really valuable tools available to you. Namely, you can just go in, enter in the address of something you're looking at and find out how much you can borrow against that property. Mm -hmm. Right. We'll assess the value of it. We will, we'll, we'll, we'll do everything behind the scenes to tell you what you qualify for. You get it in seconds. Mm -hmm. And then, you can get on the phone with somebody from Connect and we can assess whether you should be renting or buying. Something good to note too, um, and we should do an episode about this, but the uh, like, like down payment assistance from CMHC, right? Mm-hmm. So, so there is programs where you might be able to get some or all of your down payment um, you know, in order to purchase a property. So we should do a, an episode. That is a that really, that's a really good point. Yeah. So like the federal government fully realizes that there's an affordability program, affordability problem, and that affordability has been exacerbated by increased interest rates. Like nothing has happened to the affordability of homes. Homes have gotten cheaper, but interest rates have risen. Mm -hmm. So the the cost to own one is the same. Right. Yeah. The only people that have been hurt by this are people that own real estate Hmm. because the value of their real estate has dropped and their mortgages have increased. 
Right. Which is why if you're looking to enter as a first-time homebuyer right now, don't be so scared of the fact that the interest rates rose. Be excited about the fact that you're entering at a reduced price and that there are federal programs available that can get you some of the money you need to get into a house. I was going to say, I would rather buy a house in a high interest rate, low va- lower value environment than, than be, you know, running around buying something out with a 199. You get more, like, like I say, you get more to look forward to. You get the corner unit. Well, you get, for sure. But you also get more to look forward to because what are you looking, like if you buy a house and interest rates are really, really low and property values are really, really high, what, what is it that you're going to, what, what's on the agenda? Like what's, what are you looking forward to happen in 12, 18, 24 months? A higher interest rate. Your interest rate could increase <laughs> and your property value is going to decrease. Yeah. Right now you're entering in the market Interest rates are high. Property values are low. You know what you have to look forward to? Property values increasing and interest rates decreasing. Yeah. So when is the exact perfect time to buy a property? I have no idea. But I can tell you that if it makes, if the numbers make sense, just listen, just listen, watch the numbers, right? And I can also tell you that if you, if you have a good broker or lender on your side, Run the numbers with them. Mm-hmm. Like we have no dog in the race here. Mm-hmm. You're going to speak to somebody at Connect. You're going to speak to a salaried employee that is just going to run these numbers for your specific situation. Yeah, you're going to get a report. It's going to tell you. Let's say you got five properties that you're looking at. Here are the differences between renting and buying these five properties based on a variable rate or a fixed rate. Here is the data. You make a decision. Here is, and we'll look at what money we can tap into for you from any federal program to get you money for your down payment. Mm-hmm. So I guess the real, the real highlight of today's show, I would say, is if you are looking to purchase a property right now in Canada, there is money available to you to help you with your down payment from the federal government. Interest rates are high, and we know they're going lower. Mm-hmm. And property values are low, and we know they're going higher. That's a bunch of good news if I ever heard heard it myself. I guess we got a good news story today. Yeah, I love that. At the end of the day, though, there are, the market is telling us still a little more pain coming. Right. Okay? So that's why I would say assess each situation on its own. So like going back to your question, you were like, would you buy or rent right now? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I need to look at each specific property. Right. But I can tell you that there are opportunities right now in every single real estate asset class. Right. Like there is developable land in the city of Toronto that you can buy for much less than what you would have ever have been able to buy it for in the past. There is, there are industrial buildings, there are retail. Like there, there is, there, there are a ton of opportunities right now in real estate. Those opportunities might get better mm-hmm. in the next six months, but I would not wait past the year 2023 to do something if you want to do something in real estate. Like next year will prove to be a time when a lot of people will make money with real estate. I'm telling you right, right now, okay? 2023 is a year that people will, will make money in real estate. They will make money because you always make money when you buy. Don't make money when you sell something. So 2023 will be because of the uncertainty. And then at some point in 2023, like I said, certainty will creep back into the market. Certainty that interest rates are as high as they're going to be. And we know they're going lower. 
And it'll be that certainty that precipitates a market increase. Right. And um, we know that we've got a supply-demand imbalance. We know that we can't bring online real estate and and we, homes for people fast enough right now. Mm-hmm. We also know we're not doing it right now. Right. Housing stores have dropped. We're not building what we need to build to, sat- to satiate this demand that's coming. We know we've got more immigrants coming. We, we know, listen, like it's easy to bet against Canada, right? Mm-hmm. Right now. But I think it's a sucker's bet. Do you, so, so do you have any rental properties right now? Like, like, are you, are you, do you rent anything? I have. Yeah. Yeah. But I haven't changed the rent. Uh, like I have uh, I have a property and I just thought the guy that it's a big piece of land and there's like a, there's a, like a few houses, but um, my tenant and his family, like his, one of his older kids lives there. And they're just so great. They look after the property. So I haven't increased it. I probably should, but I, I won't. Um, and it's more of a long-term play on the value of the land. Right. right. No, of course. Um, so I'm happy to just be getting some cash flow off of it. Right. Um, yeah. Listen, like, uh, I think it's going to be a good time. Like, I think it'll be a great time to buy rentals. I remember when I first started as a mortgage broker, mm-hmm. uh, so like 22 years ago, about this you're old, eh? Yeah. <laughs> I'm 43. I'm 43 years old. Uh, I managed to still look younger than you most of the time. <laughs> um, but so uh, I remember when I started like, right. um, 22 years ago. Okay. Yes, I'm old. Um, I bought this building at Dundas and Runnymede. Okay. And it cost me $280,000. That's outrageous. Yeah. And I sold it for like, I don't know, a million bucks, but like, you know, I, I, I should have held on to it, obviously. Yeah. Um, and I remember at the time thinking, like, if I had more money right now, I should be buying up more of this real estate. Um, it was like 22 years ago is when we started this just like massive bull run in, in real estate prices. and. I bet you that if I just bought real estate and did nothing else, um, I would have done far better than being a mortgage broker. <laughs> but listen, the hindsight is twenty twenty. Yeah. Um, but I think that this drop in pricing, however muted it may be over the next, like in 2023, will bring about a really good opportunity for people to enter the real estate market. Yeah. And I think that because, again, like I think because what we'll head into will be like, we're going through a tough economic time, but when we decrease interest rates, we'll start seeing strength move back into the economy. We'll start seeing real estate prices increasing. And I don't know like, you know, how quickly that happens. Um, but I think definitely people will be proven right um, to have bought real estate next year. It's nice to hear you talk about real estate going up because you're generally pretty pessimistic when it comes to that kind of stuff. Well, I mean, I have been pessimistic leading into what we're in right now. I mean, yeah, yeah. We're in a pretty tough time. Yeah, yeah. Where real estate's not moving. Right. And 
all I've been saying leading up into this is increasing interest rates this quickly into this type of economic environment is going to create a problem for real estate prices. And guess what? It created a problem for real estate prices. Right. But that problem is an opportunity for people. Right. right? Of course. So, you know, I don't like the fact that all the real estate I own has dropped in value. Same. And the time horizon for kind of the the exits or the maturity on that real estate has probably been pushed out. I don't like what's happened to real estate prices, right? But I've, I can't do anything to control that. Right. Like short of telling the, I mean, you can't even tell the Bank of Canada anything. You have to tell the Federal Reserve. Right. Yeah. And then they'll listen. To stop. Yeah. They would listen for sure. Yeah. yeah. But you'd have to tell the Federal Reserve to stop increasing interest rates. Right it's now. like talking to the old, like the cool older brother first and then the younger brother like, okay, fine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But um, I think that it will, it will very, very soon come to light that we've overshot on increasing interest rates. Mm-hmm. And that will come in the form of, again, the same pain that we're talking about. It's just, it's got to, it's going to get a little worse before it gets better. Um, which is tough. It's, mm-hmm. you know, and it's also tough because it's not something that, um, that like Canadians are really responsible for. Right. Right. Um, it's, it's been created because we had this totally bizarre fiscal stimulus that took place mm-hmm. that like the government decided like, you know, not just the Canadian government, right? Like the G7 nations decided, let's just pump a ton of money into the market. Lots of it without a care for where it goes. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, in the United States, like we, we talk about in Canada, how much money went into these like wage subsidy and CERB programs. In the United States, it was way worse. And it was like just like fraud everywhere. Mm-hmm. People just stealing money from the system as much as they could get. Mm-hmm. And to think that all of that money printing and all of that kind of release of money supply into the system wouldn't create a problem is so ignorant. Mm -hmm. And I think equally ignorant is the thought that the imbalances, like the trade and supply imbalances that that immediate release of money supply created to think that those are here to stay and, and, you know, require as much as we've piled on as far as uh, kind of trying to tamp down um, the economy with monetary stimulus. I think that's equally ignorant. Right. So I think like we way overshot on one side and now we're way overshooting on the other side. Overcorrecting. Uh, and that's the thing that's the scariest, right? Like you, we don't know, like you quant, like quantify how much we overshot by. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, just, I can tell based on how our, like our business is a leading indicator, right? Mm. You can see that people, a lot of people are just holding on right now to their assets. And depending on how much, how much of that gets released into the market, like we talked about, 
will depend on how much lower we have to go. Right. Um, and I just hope that the certainty of, okay, rates aren't going any higher, kind of resuscitates the economy and gets us back on track to a normal growth. Like, if you are a businessman or a business person, businesswoman, we should just say, yeah, if you're a businesswoman business woman, yeah. and you're operating a business, a small business, medium-sized business, large business, and one of your input costs, the cost of money, has increased by a factor of three or four. That is that makes it very difficult to forecast. Right. That makes it very difficult to hire people. That makes it very difficult to figure out how much inventory you need. Makes it very difficult to just keep things running because you can't account for this massive increase in one of your input costs. Right. That slows the economy down in and of itself. Mm -hmm. And that is not yet been quantified. Felt, yeah. Yeah, that's going to that, that's be tough. Yeah. Um, like, I was talking to a friend of mine who works at a massive private equity fund. Mm -hmm. And he said... Is his name Thanos, by the way? <laughs> he said... Uh, his name is not Thanos. He said... Um, he's like, the reason why there's so few deals happening is when we model out a private equity fund will buy a business, let's say, right? Mm -hmm. When we model out the purchase of a new business, we now have to take an interest rate, like a, a we have to project what our, the money is going to cost us to buy the business. We use a rate of 10% now. Oh, that's crazy. Before that would have been 3%. Yeah. So the values of the businesses they are buying are obviously going to be affected mm -hmm. by the cost of the capital they need to buy those businesses. Right. Does that also mean that it's a good time to buy businesses? Mm -hmm. Because that 10% cost of capital to buy it now will likely reduce in the future. Mm -hmm. Once these, like, there's still, again, there's still too much uncertainty associated with when the pause and then the pivot happens. I think we should, all the economists should stop saying pivot. We should say pause, then pivot. Yeah. Right? Rates are rising. They're going to pause. Then they're going to pivot. Mm -hmm. So the timing, the people who, who are like looking forward to that pause and then pivot, once we get more comfortable around the timing of the pause and the pivot, it's going to be a really good time to buy stuff because the prices of the things that you want, never mind real estate a business, right? Whatever the thing is, when you can quantify the, the timing on the pause and the pivot, it'll be a good time to enter the market because you're going to, you're, you're dealing with prices that have dropped and you're anticipating interest rates dropping. You go in, you buy interest rates, fall, the value increases across right. the board. That's just how things happen. Mm -hmm. That's how you reset an economy, right? It's how you suck a whole bunch of money out of the economy. Mm -hmm. It's how people make a lot of money. So I want the people that are our clients that listen to our podcast, specifically the ones that subscribe on YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> and like kidding. our videos. And oh the, oh, the ones that like our videos for sure. But I want those people to get some information, like to get some unbiased advice it's all we're going to talk about, mm -hmm. right? Um, we have no dog in the race. Mm -hmm. We just want to help you make some money, help you become more financially secure. 
I want those people to benefit from this, right? Um, because the central banks around the world are going to suck out a whole bunch of value out of assets, mm-hmm. which they pumped in mm-hmm. to assets. So they made people feel really, really rich. And now they're going to make people feel really, really poor. And there's a few things that we got to always kind of come back to thinking. One thing is, is never as dark as you think it is. And it's never as sunny as you think it is. Mm-hmm. It's always somewhere in the middle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you kind of keep going with that moderate mindset, you're going to do well. And we want you to do well. Marcus, thanks so much for sitting with me. Yeah, thank you, man. Anytime. Thank you for listening. Please do us a favor and tell a friend about the show. Word of mouth really is the best way to get our show out there to new listeners. And be sure to write us a review wherever you're listening. Thank you. And we'll be meeting you again soon.